future of Asian and Pacific Cities Report 2023 entitled Crisis Resilient Urban Futures describes countries and cities across the Asia-Pacific region as struggling to recover from the health and socioeconomic crisis resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic, even as the effects of climate change continue to ravage the region. Now, the problems and challenges of governments and city developers is nothing new, but with new technologies and lessons learned from other countries, Asia, perhaps, may yet to reap the benefits of not being the first mover. Jacques Beltran, VP for Cities and Public Services at the Salt Systems, shares his views on smarter ways for modernizing urban development. Jacques, welcome to Podcast for Future IoT. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Glad to be here. Uh, if you could give us a state of city growth in Asia, what does it look like? Well, I mean, what's happening in Asia is a global trend, but it is very, very strong in Asia. I think cities in Asia are actually today facing two major challenges. The, the first one is demographic growth. Worldwide, I mean, today half of the world population lives in cities, and it's expected that by 2050, it will be 80% of that population. And when we look at cities in Asia in particular, by 2050, it should be up to 3.5 billion people. So that's a huge demographic pressure on existing cities or new cities that are being built. Um, that's the first challenge. But that's not enough, I would say, for the pressure on the cities. So cities are also facing huge challenges related to climate change. And related to climate change, all the natural disasters that, uh, that go with it. Uh, so the, the combination of urban demographic growth and climate change challenge are putting, indeed, a great, great pressure on Asian cities. Now, we'll come back to that uh, climate change topic in a second or so. Now, prior to sustainability becoming the buzzword of the last couple of years, what were the top priorities of urban planners? Because of this urban uh, demographic growth that I mentioned, urban planners uh, have a huge work to do basically to ensure that citizens living in cities have a good life. I put it simple as that. And that has to do with fundamental needs like housing, like mobility. Mobility is probably the number one key issue in all cities in the world, but particularly in Asia. How do you make sure that people can go from point A to point B in reasonable time, but also in a sustainable manner? Uh, because, of course, with car traffic goes the air pollution, et cetera, et cetera. So, so mobility, housing, access to energy, access to water, all these fundamental points for comfortable living in cities are the heart of uh, urban planning worldwide. Thank you for that one, by the way. And uh, so how significant, if we could go into a bit more detail, how significant is the impact of climate change on cities in Asia? It's major. I mean, let, let me just give you one figure that I think is, is quite representative of what's happening. The, the number of natural hazards hitting cities has been multiplied by five since the 1980s. That's huge. And when I speak about natural hazards, I'm referring to flooding, which is probably the number one natural hazard that's hitting cities, in particular in Asia. Uh, also uh, referring to extreme temperatures uh, or wildfires, for example. That kind of natural hazard has become a major, major focus for urban planners in Asian cities. How can they adapt their cities to those risks? Climate change challenges are there, and we're doing everything we can to try and change that, but they're there for the future. How can urban planners adapt their cities to make them both more sustainable and more resilient? 
Well, I can touch the issue of climate change here. For uh, in the 30 years plus that I've been in Hong Kong, this is the f- yeah. this is the only year that I've ever seen flooding in one of the subways. <laughs> so exactly. it's a exactly. it's a really big one. Yeah. Anyway, so speaking about sustainable goals and all that, what mindset is needed to make cities sustainable for the long haul? And I'd like you to look into it not just from the planners' perspective, but even perhaps from the governors and also the people that live in these cities. It's a challenge for all these stakeholders that you mentioned, the people who live in the cities that are increasingly conscious about sustainability challenges. So I think people that are increasingly thinking about what their individual impact is on climate change. That's the first. It, of course, is a major challenge, not only for urban planners, but for, for the people who are governing the cities uh, themselves. And what, what's obvious now is that without a strong political will to change the way cities are managed, that will not work. Uh, I would say it's a mix of political will and technology. Because what we strongly believe at Dassault System is that technology can actually, supported by a strong political will, can actually help those cities become more sustainable and more resilient. So beyond this mindset that you just spoke about, do we have the technologies and skilled or experienced people available uh, and ready to make the change towards more sustainable or urban development. Yeah, d- definitely. And, and that's the good news. I mean, we've been only talking about challenges and, and, and sad and worrying uh, uh, news, right? But the, the good news is that over the same period that we've been mentioning for the past 20 years, there's been a huge acceleration in technology developments that can actually help uh, cities transform the way they're functioning and the way they operate or the way they plan the future. Think about mobility. We mentioned mobility a lot. In Intelligent transportation systems have been developed, whether we're talking about public transportation or even mobile apps that help people just find their way in traffic jam cities. Uh, think about energy management, uh, renewable energy, smart grid technology is helping cities cope with the energy demand uh, that's ever increasing. Um, think about, of course, and you know that very well, think about IoT uh, and data analytics. I mean, cities now are equipped increasingly with sensors that capture a lot of data about how the city is functioning. And that data helps city authorities and urban planners think about the future. If you want to think about how you want to adapt your city to future challenges, you have to start by understanding how the city functions today. What's the reality of the city today? So all these are areas of technology uh, in which cities have been investing quite a lot over the past years and in particular in Asia. Could we go a little bit into the detail of uh, the terms of the types of technologies that are available today that urban planners can actually uh, integrate into how they plan and design and build and even revitalize existing cities? Yeah, Uh, I think basically um, we could refer to to three main technological bricks that can be used today by urban planners. Uh, the first one, which I referred to, has to do with data analytics. Data analytics is basically understanding the reality of the cities today. What, how many people are living? What categories of people are living there? Are there retired people, uh, youngsters, people go working? Uh, are these people commuting to go to work every day? Um, what, what professional activity do they have? What are their urgent needs? That's for the population, but also the reality of the city. 
what's the age of the existing infrastructures? How are these infrastructures evolving? Uh, what maintenance do they require? How much energy are they consuming? All, all that is fundamental data that increasingly is being captured uh, by cities. The important thing now is not only to install sensors and to capture that data, but it is about how do you transform that data into actionable information for the governments to be able to transform the city. And that's also something. So, so, so this is data analytics and it connects immediately to artificial intelligence technology. That's also useful to interpret, understand, and, and again, transform that data into actionable information. That, that is a first category. But then you also have technology related to 3D modeling and 3D simulation. And let me pause a, a second on that. That's fundamental. Why is 3D what we call virtual twin that does a system? Why is that so fundamental? Because one of the biggest challenges that cities have is to break the silos in the various departments of a local administration or inside their own ecosystem. People tend to see cities just through their own spectrum. If you're a retired person in a city, you will be very much concerned about, for example, walkability in a city. How can you actually walk in a city? Is it easy for you or not to move from point A to point B? Uh, what about public transportation? Is, is it accessible for somebody who's got problems, maybe walking, etc., etc.? That might be one of your concerns. Um, if you're um, a, a child, I mean, your parents will be very much uh, concerned with, for example, air quality around your school or the playground. Uh, is it a very polluted area? Are you putting your children at risk uh, because of that? Um, if you're uh, in, a, if you're a worker, uh, you might be very much concerned with finding a job. How easy is it to find a job in a city? So you see, everybody sees a city from a certain angle. The value of data analytics and 3D uh, for the real physical uh, dimension of the city is that it's going to become the unique referential for all these people and the corresponding departments in the city administration to see the city through a common view. You aggregate all available data into one single 3D referential. Why 3D? Because that's the easiest thing to understand. Uh, Many people have troubles, including officials, have troubles in really understanding a 2D map. A 3D perception of a city, a 3D model of a city, is a common language for everybody. Who should own this 3D model? I guess that's the question I would have, because I would have expected um, contractors, designers, architectural firms, all of these companies, the private ones anyway, they would have these types of technologies. But on the other side of the stakeholder side, the, the government and city planners, uh, do they necessarily have to own or have this type of technology as well in place so that they could at least have an unbiased view of what the city would look like or the development would look like in the process? Yeah, that, that's a very good question, Alan. I think, um, I mean, a 3D mockup is something that's very easy to do. It's, it's, it's now turned into something quite common. I'm talking about the 3D representation of the city. That's pretty easy. What's more complex and adds a lot of value is what data you're going to inject into that 3D model. 
And that's where it becomes interesting because you were talking about public contractors, for example. They may develop a 3D model with their own data. So if you're a public transportation operator, you'll do a 3D model of the public transportation system. Um, but what's interesting is to connect this public transportation dimension with maybe a safety dimension or an environmental dimension or economic development dimension. And that, in that sense, I think that cities and public administration have a key role to play in developing those 3D digital twins as, I would say, a public service available for the entire city ecosystem, administration, businesses, and citizens to refer to it again as this unique referential. Now, could you describe for us the challenges that urban planners in Asia will face in the coming years? And what can we learn from the global cities when it comes to sustainable development? Well, you know, I think one of the major challenges for urban planners is to build what we call the what-if scenarios. And for that, one of the technologies that we're proposing at Dassault System is a 3D simulation. Let me give you one example. It's not in Asia, it's the city of Paris. You know, Paris and France will be welcoming the Olympic Games uh, next year in 2024. Um, and in view of that major event, the city of Paris has decided that there's a ring road around Paris and that one lane of that ring road should be reserved to carpooling, car sharing, supposedly to facilitate the traffic, right? Well, that decision has created a big uh, political debate uh, like we like to have in France, you know, a big political debate among Parisians. People are in favor or against that decision, but the truth is there hasn't been a serious impact study of that decision conducted. So what we at Dassault System decided to do is to simulate the impact of that decision from a triple perspective, from a traffic simulation point of view, but we also added the air pollution and the noise simulation. Combining the three into one single 3D model of the city of Paris to understand the consequences of that decision. This is what, in a sense, I tend to call, you know, political science, but in the sense of policy decisions based on science. This is what Dassault System has been doing in the manufacturing industry for the past 40 years, applied to the aeronautics sector, to the automotive sector, now even to life science. It's basically 3D modeling and 3D simulation technology to help people design future products, infrastructures. Well, apply this to city, it's exactly the same. In the aeronautic industry today, uh, you don't do real crash tests. You do virtual crash testing to validate your design options. Why don't cities do the same? Cities today are making decisions that they are basically testing on citizens. The beauty of 3D modeling and 3D simulation is that you can actually do virtual testing of those policy options. Find the best option, test the various options, make your decision, and then see what's going to happen. That is the what-if scenarios that I think are fundamental for urban planners. This is technology that's available uh, for cities. And given the, all the challenges that we've mentioned in this podcast, I think, uh, I mean, you can see why that could be extremely useful for cities, in particular in Asia. Jacques, thank you very much for joining us on Podcast for Future IoT. My pleasure, Alan. Thank you very much.
That was Jacques Beltran, BP for Cities and Public Services at the Salt Systems on the topic of smarter ways for modernizing urban development. You are listening to podcasts for future IoT. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future IoT. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future IoT. Bye for now.